कृष्णा करुणा सिंधो दीनबंधु जगतपते गोपीशा गोपिकाकंद राराकंद नमोसुते तप्त कंचन गौरांगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी विश्वभानुजुदे देवी प्रणमामी हरि प्रिय प्रणमामी हरि प्रिय श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय भक्ति विनोद परिवार की जाय श्री गोरंग महाप्रभु आविर्भाव महोत्सवती की जाय गोर पूर्णिम की जाय गोर प्रेमानंदे so good evening everyone and this will be the last uh, talk of the day we spoke earlier this morning at some length about a couple of lines of Bengali poetry that composed by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur that capsulized him so to speak his approach to to Ragmarg and uh, through Kirtan and that in conjunction with the opening of the temple and so forth as much as that was composed that poem to be sung at the time the deities of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur in Calcutta were being moved from a rented house into the Marol temple we spoke about the significance of that in terms of the Sampradaya and all quite interesting and um, earlier I guess early afternoon we spoke about the Namaskar verses of Chaitanya Bhagavad of the Venerable Sri Vrindavan Das Thakur glorifying Gaur Nityananda we explained the significance of that and I mentioned that uh, tonight that I wanted to speak on the Namaskar verse to one of them or two in Chaitanya Charitamrita where Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami pays his respects to the presiding deity of his book Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita in between all this we've had dancing and a lot of sacrifices from Gopal Bhatta Goswami's uh, writing uh, with regard to opening a temple, with regard to initiations, which some also came forward for earlier today. So it's been a busy, busy day. And I appreciate all of you staying here as, as long as you have. You can stay as long as you like. So Chaitanya Charitamrita is um, the final word really, on uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the significance of his appearance. Nonetheless, the uh, author, Sri Krishnadas Kaviraj, defers much to Vrindavan Das Thakur and, of course, the Vrindavan Goswamis, whose theology and philosophy that explained the tattva, the truth of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Sanskrit, was then taken and distilled and written in a more common vernacular for common people to access in Bangla, in Bengali. And um, it was, uh, of course, with the blessings of the senior Vaishnavas and the backing of Nityananda Prabhu, and it's come to be the, the real essential final word, as they say, on the significance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance. Uh, we find in Vrindavan Das's writing more emphasis on a particular aspect of Chaitanya Dev and Nityananda Prabhu there distribution of the uh, of the dharma of the age namsan kirtan uh, whereas in vrindavan das's he is quick to point out at, and early on in the book that mahaprabhu while distributing the holy name did it in a, in a particular way by making a wreath or garland if you will out of the yuga dharma namsan kirtan and prem wove them together in such a way that by taking his namsan kirtan one can arrive at prem which may not necessarily be the case. So this is the speciality of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advent and the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu advent in terms of his inner self being the combined form of Radha and Krishna as is so expertly explained by Krishna Das Kaviraj. He has a different sentiment than Vrindavan Das. Vrindavan Das was, uh, had the uh, sentiment of, uh, of a cowherd and Vrindavan Das, Krishna Das has a gopi. So they are not against one another. Actually, these two sentiments are very compatible. And so, Vrindavan Das, uh, excuse me, Krishna Das, uh, begins his book as appropriate with the Namaskar verse. It's two of them. And the second one, he says, is more specific. And um, that means to say that it is directly in glorification of the deity presiding over the book with the Gora and Nityananda combined. He says, in very beautiful language. This is written in Sanskrit. I don't believe that 
Vrindavan Das was the scholar that Krishna Das was. Although he's the Vyas of Chaitanya Lila, as he was dubbed by Krishna Das himself. Vrindavan um, Das was the nephew of Srivas Thakur, and his father is a kind of an unknown factor. So that isn't, from a birth point of view, that doesn't speak highly. If you don't know who your father is, then that's um, not considered to be the best. Uh, it's good to know your father. <laughs> so it's good for the mother to know who the father is, too. So, um, of course, the Godias have thought about that in a wonderful way, and they've made that a part of the parallel of they sought to find it further evidence to support Krishnadasa's position that Vrindavan Das is the Vyas of Chaitanya Lila. As I said earlier, Vyas wrote in the Himalayas next to the Saraswati, and Vrindavan Das wrote in Nabadweep, where the Jalangi is present, representing the Saraswati. Their subject was the same, the life of Sri Krishna, here in his Braja Lila and here in his Gaur Lila, but they drew also a parallel. This didn't get in their way because um, what is the parentage of Vyas? If we study from the literature, we find that it was uh, of questionable. Parashuramuni, he fell for a fisherman's uh, daughter, and uh, it was uh, out of wedlock kind of uh, circumstance. And so, while it's good to have things in order, sometimes special things happen, out of order. And that is meant to teach us a lesson also, that everything does, doesn't always go exactly by the book. Hmm? Of course, in a broader sense, it does go by the book, because when we see something that might be, for example, uh, uh, here's an instance of questionable morality, and normally that would, uh, we think, give rise to, well, not a good birth. So, But we find an extraordinary birth, an extraordinary person in Vyas, so we have to look at the substance of the thing. We will not dismiss him because of his birth, but embrace him because of his contribution that reached out to us as it did. So again, as we mentioned earlier, Kiba Vipra, Kiba Nashi, Sudra Kenenai, Ye Se Guru Hai. This came from the lotus mouth of Chaitanya Dev himself when he embraced Rai Ramananda, who was from Shudra Varna. Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi and a brahmana, and this was not acceptable in the the uh, religious, socio-religious culture for such intimate mixing and, and whatnot. But Mahaprabhu had a different idea, something like in, in the words of the language of Pujapachi, the marsh substance over form, we have to gravitate towards that. Indeed, he once told us that I'm a form breaker rather than a form maker. Sound evolutionary, but and it is, and, and so is spiritual life. It's really about breaking the form, so to speak, and and uh, because it comes in a particular form, it will descend in a particular form, and then we'll identify, naturally, due to our conditioning, more towards the form than with the essence. We're brought in by an inspiration and some experience as well, for that matter. And then it has come to us in a particular form, but we're oriented such that we're not gravitating in a natural way in the beginning towards the substance, but rather towards the form, towards the superficials, towards the, and in the language of Bhaktivinoda, they carry heavy load, barabahi, rather than sargrahi, Vaishnav. One identifies with the institution and the dress, particularly, and if their sect dresses like this and our dresses like that, they must be bad, we must be good, we have the white hats, they have the bad hats, and, and so forth. Not that all sects are the same and we should mingle unrestrictedly and so forth, Discrimination is also the better part of valor, as they say. And that's the hallmark of the characteristic of the advancing devotee. He or she does discriminate hmm, for how to spend my time best and so on and so forth. But the Kanishta is lacking in discrimination and makes something out of nothing often hmm, and uh, creates a separation where the one doesn't have, have to be one. Hmm. So... Um, hmm, no, we want to be an essence seeker, but it's that's not going to happen overnight. The best course to take, if we want it, is to attach ourselves to someone who we find to be an essence seeker. Then we learn how to gravitate 
towards the essence to develop some feeling for Vaishnavism so we can understand it with our heart, not merely with our head. Or in such a way that what we have understood with our head, as I said earlier, it will go in the heart and cause kind of action that constitutes bhakti. So we come into the spiritual idea and it has a particular form and then unfortunately we tend to gravitate towards the form of it and lose sight of the substance often. And that's why this Guru Parampara is necessary. That's the whole idea. Evam Parampara Praptam Imam Rashaya Vidu Sakalina Mahata Yoganashta Parantva. There's Yoganashta. There's often a disruption in the teaching. And when there's confusion about the teaching, that's what the Parampara is for, not to do away with it in the name of making a solution. No, to embrace it, understand it, and to do so, well, we have to be a little bit essence-seeking because it may appear from quarters we never expected. So with some openness, we have to progress in our spiritual life. Openness under good guidance. It's not what you think it is, Krishna consciousness. It is, but it's... It isn't, because it doesn't fit inside of your head. However you thought about it, to whatever extent, we should think about it, but we should think about it in such a way that we actually engage in it. Thinking about it won't... That's not the teaching, not to think about it, but to do it. And when we do, when we get experience, then it escapes, uh, defies words and defies thought, and we talk about it as much as we can. We think about it as deeply as we can, but... We can't fit it in a box. You may have seen the picture. They're fishing in Goloka. So it's hard to understand, Krishna consciousness. Never mind. <laughs> it's, it's a very... Uh, hang on. It's an exciting ride. And the Prabhupada, to his credit, as he deserves all credit, had us, his students, one of whom, a small one I am, in a, such a position that I like to say that he had us while we were very much cemented in doing things in a particular way, what we were really fixed in is doing it the, however he wanted it. Now, it appeared that he wanted it in a certain way, so we did it in a certain way, but the reality of this whole situation, the dynamics of it, where we were ready to stand up, sit down, turn left, turn right, whatever he said. If he had said one day, burn all the books and don't distribute them anymore, we would burn every single book in the warehouse and thought it was a big Arctic or something. <laughs> you know, why we would, Try to figure out what he, what he wanted, but we were he had us in, in other words in a very um, flexible position. And to bring this home a little bit, if we want to talk about a interim goal, as I often do, of arriving at Nishta, where we were actually paying attention and therefore getting something out of the whole thing, Mahabhu wrote about this when he said, "Trinada pisunichena, toroara pisahishnana, amanina manadina, kirtaniya sadahari." He says, to be fixed is to be flexible. He's saying, you have to bend over. You can't be stiff. You have to bend down. <laughs> like this, more humbly said, in the blade of grass. So the stage of being fixed is a stage of being very open, actually, at the same time. Fixed in the goal, fixed in the ideal, but also able to think of it in ways that are not black and white, but 256 shades of gray. It's comforting but disconcerting at the same time. In the beginning, we want something that we can hold on to and uh, we can get our kind of feet on the ground in the whole affair. So all kind of handles are given to us to steady ourselves in our practice and so forth. And then unfortunately, sometimes they work to our advantage and then they can work to our disadvantage also. We think the handles are the whole thing. and we won't. You know, there's a nice story of how, I'm reminded of a story of how there was a fellow, sage, and he used to give discourse on Bhagavad Gita regularly. And um, when he was giving the discourse on the Gita to his students, then uh, one day a cat came. cat came and sat for the discourse, and uh, so the sage gave some milk. So the next day the cat came back, the guy gets some milk. So he came before the class, a little early, and, uh, and so the sage said, well, you know, give the cat some milk, so... So the cat came every day. So every day the cat came before the class, and every day before the class, Sage gave some milk to the cat. So this went on for a long time, and then uh, students were all listening, of course, and paying very close attention. And then the uh, Sage, he passed on, and so the next successor came, and it went on, and then the cat passed on. 
And so then everybody freaked out because they thought, we need a new cat. We can't hear the Bhagavad Gita without first giving milk to a cat. This is, a, <laughs> this is the idea. So we have to be a little careful about that. What is the form? What is the, what is the essence? Very careful because in the name of speaking like this, we can go on tilt, you know, the other way also, throughout the form and think we have deep insights into what it is. And like I was speaking earlier today about how the form of the Lord may appear differently to different devotees. And uh, Gorbi Jaidas brought up this idea in our discussion in the, on the Internet. And uh, he told me afterwards that what brought it to mind is that somewhere in India, I think in, in Vrindavan, at the Bunker Bihari Temple one day, they dressed Krishna in a polo shirt and they took away his flute and gave him a cell phone instead. So then he said, so, you know, how to think about it? I said, it's fine as long as they have bhav. Because I explained that the Lord will appear in the heart of the devotee who has bhava, corresponding with that bhava. So first get bhava, then talk about putting Krishna in a polo shirt. <laughs> first let bhava come. Pay attention to the way in which those who have bhava have seen him and depicted him. Then talk about such. And this is how we'll get that bhava also. It's, we have to follow. Krishna has set such a good example in this regard with his following of Vrindavandas. Again and again, he defers to him. Although he's from a, a good Brahmin family, and as I say, the lineage of uh, the family lineage of Vrindavan Das is uh, questionable. He said, he's the Vyas. Vyas has come again. Vyas's lineage, family lineage is questionable. Only to the foolish, though, because see what came from that. The norm was broken, and a wonderful thing happened. He said, he's the Vyas of Chaitanya. We offer our respects to him, Vrindavan Das. Mashai ki jai. Following the lead of Krishnadas, whose book is more sophisticated in its presentation of the theology and um, philosophy, and uh, he was a scholar. So we find many, not only verses from the sacred text that he cites as evidence for his own the point that he makes in the simple Bengali language, but also his own verses of his own Sanskrit composition. He didn't write in Bengali because he wasn't educated and in the what was the religious language of the time. The Goswamis took Mahaprabhu's reality, as they understood it, and put it in Sanskrit, which was then a language that the religious people spoke, educated religious people. So there was there's kind of some reasoning behind it, in, in a sense. Then it becomes, for such people who think, well, if it's not a Sanskrit, then why should I read it? This is the language of the gods, and this kind of thing. So they did this. Here, then, Vrindavandas comes in their wake, and takes it back and puts it in Bengali to give it to all the people, but very nicely accents it with citations from scriptures in Sanskrit. But he also, as I'm mentioning, wrote his own verses in Sanskrit. He was a scholar. I mean, he wrote also, I guess you could call it a sequel to Chaitanya Charitamrita, and his Govinda um, Lilamrita, 2200 some poetic verses all in Sanskrit. So he's a very, very qualified person from a scholastic academic point of view. And he's certified, qualified, from a spiritual point of view, by Nitananda Nitai Chand also. You know that Nitai Chand is behind both of these books. Vrindabandast was particularly attached to Nitananda Prabhu and Sakyarasa. And he said, Nitananda's Antaryami told me in my heart to write this book. He took Krishnadas, after Krishnadas left home and appeared to him hmm, in a dream and told him, go to Vrindavan, there you will find all your wealth. And there he went, he found the wealth, was the wealth of Vrindavan, Rup, Sanatan, Raghunathas, all these Gosamis, Haridas, the head priest of the Radha Govinda Mandir, who gave him the order, right, the Chaitanya, Charitamrita, so forth. Very excellent book. The final word, really, on the pastimes and theology of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, he pays tribute to Gaur and Nityananda at the beginning of the book, and there are the deities that preside over his book. And if you study the verse, his verse, then you can understand why, to some extent. Verse goes something like this. Well, it goes exactly like this, except for the pronunciation. Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohodito Gododai Pushpabanto Chitro Sando Tamonudo. He says, Bande, I offer my respects. I give myself. It's a pranam. It's um, namaskar, namaste. It means not me. It's not about me, as Mangalananda writes. It's not about me. It's about you, not me. This is kind of the 
nice aspect of the uh, Hindu culture. This is the way of saying, hello, it's not me, it's you. No, no, it's you. It's not, it's you. One time Pujapad Sridhar told me that if you want to understand Vrindavan, then go to the um, Howrah train station. Have you ever been to Calcutta and the Howrah train station? Howrah, it is a horror. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go to the Howrah station to understand Vrindavan. It's just like a total... It's a nightmare, and it's bad enough when the train isn't there, but when the train stops, then everybody, like, rushes to get in, you know, while everybody's rushing to get out, and it's like, me first, me first, me first. Throngs of people trying to get in the door while there's just as many are trying to get out. It's just a total madhouse. So if you want to understand Rindabhan, go to the Howrah station hmm, and think of it in reverse. Something like that. <laughs> Just reverse it out. No, you first. No, no, you first. Something like that. If we think like this, then you see that that is love. I take your thoughts, your desires. I make them mine. You make my desires yours. Then <laughs> all our desires are filled, fulfilled. There's harmony. Then no one is left out. Once when I was with Prabhupada, and uh, when he went on the bus to uh, a farm in Pennsylvania, Gitanagari. Some of you may have been there. They call it Gitanagari. And he rode on a bus, Greyhound bus, which was turned into a temple of Gornitinanda. There were several of us on the bus and and all. He had a dream, you know, a recurring dream, probably, of getting on a boat and going from port to port with the Sankirtan party and getting off and doing Sankirtan and going to the next port. And so he said he realized it on a bus. It was close. Hmm? He always wanted to go in the buses and with, with the devotees and experience the field, so to speak. Uh, it reminds me of another story, how when he was in Chicago once and the reporter came to interview him and she said, So, uh, Swamiji, I understand that you have many cars. She's writing. He said, Oh, yes, many. Big cars. She's writing. He's got big cars. <laughs> supposed to be a spiritual person, but he's got all these cars. And she's thinking, Rolls Royces. And, you know. and he says, Yes, we have big cars. I think they are Volkswagen, is it? Hmm? And she goes, Huh? Okay. Yes, Vans. And the boys are going in, the girls and going in the vans, and they're going out to the villages and distributing the books. And she's looking at them like, wow, you're really different. <laughs> <laughs> and charming at the same time. You know, the, kind of the innocence of Prabhupada uh, came out in his... Uh, it's almost as if you know, he, he didn't know what she was up to, and uh, probably true, and he was just you know, being himself. <laughs> And then he had a desire to go out in one of those vans. Pujapad Chudamaraj used to say about him, he's so extraordinary. He used to hold his head up in a very aristocratic way, small stature, physically, maybe about five, two, three, or four, something like that. But he would appear so big, and when he would hold his head up and walk, and hmm, very extraordinary. If you, if you study the features of Prabhupada, this, you know, we talked a little bit about the features of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Very uncommon. I mean, have you ever seen anybody so so beautiful in, in, in a very, you know, extraordinary way? Those ears and the, the head and all, and uh, short stature, but such a such a big heart and a big idea and very noble looking at the same time, very simple. So Pujapachitamar said it. He used to come and stay here sometimes and he was such, he was so simple in his ways. Hmm? And that he's gone to the West and he has so many temples and so many students, but he's still the same simple person inside, not taken by that in any, in any way. His, uh, his preference in Mayapur was to stay in a straw hut. He liked that. I mean, eventually the temple was built and they gave him quarters and we gave him quarters and so forth. But his preference was uh, to stay in the original straw hut. I got to stay in that one year in 19, 1974, the first big kind of international festival. When we went down the road in Mayapur, and lived the experienced the prediction of Thakur Bhakti Vinod, people from all over the world, from different countries, men and women, all chanting, Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan. So, Vrindavan, it's a simple place. It's simple. It's, it's so simple that it's easy to miss. Hmm? The mind tends to be a little complicated. That's why we have to kind of turn it off or harness it in the least. Heart is simple, and the language of the heart is, is very simple also. In Braj and Vrindavan, this is where they speak, the language of the heart. And one's heart is exchanged for another's heart. In other words, your heart is the seat of your desires. So you make Krishna's desires, our desires, and Krishna, then this way we have intimacy. 
the two, you and I become we, a dynamic kind of union. When I was there in Gita Nagari with Prabhupada, he wanted to travel on the buses and go out in the in the field and be just one of the one of them. I reminded, forgive me, but of another story. <laughs> in the airport with Prabhupada, I wasn't there at the time, but Prabhupada was in the airport, and I wasn't. And there are not a lot of airports with Prabhupada physically, and when he was physically present, and he was in many airports without me also, or he wasn't physically there, but he, I felt his presence. But on one occasion, he was at the airport, and all the devotees were um, sitting on the floor. My Nilasar and Prabhupada was sitting on the seat, and so. In those days, sometimes we would greet Prabhupada. At the, well, anytime we would greet him at the airport, and the devotees would do kirtan, and you can do that now. They think it was a terrorist attack or something. You'd be on CNN and all locked up. But uh, airports were a lot smaller and different then. And uh, anyway, they were seated on the floor, and so the, one of the fellows at the airport said, "Nobody can sit on the floor here. You have to stand up. You have to stand up." So one of the leading devotees got the message and said, "Okay, okay, okay. I'll tell everybody." So he stood up and he said. Okay, all devotees, you have to stand up. The airport you know, official said, all the devotees have to stand up. So Prabhupada stands up. <laughs> and they said, no, not you, not you, Prabhupada. I'm devotee. <laughs> Something like that. So, uh, very simple. This is, this is Vrindavan. When we went to Gita Nagari on the bus, then there was Artikipa Gornitai, Prabhupada chanted, Paramakarana, then he took a little rest and fingering his job for the whole time and his rest. And then we got there and we were shown around and whatnot. And, and uh, the morning of the second day, uh, he stayed like a day and a half, something like that, uh, we were in the barn and he was being shown the cows and how the cows were being taken care of. And then a cow kicked or something and a, a cat ran, a mouse ran and a cat appeared on the scene and a dog barked. Hmm? <laughs> And the children made some noise and so forth. And Prophet looked at the whole thing and he turned and he said, he said, just see, there is the cat and the mouse and the cat and the dog who are naturally inimical to one another. And the children, the adults, which are often inimical towards one another as well, especially in the early stages. <laughs> and uh, he said, there's the, the mouse and the cat and the dog and the children and the adults and the cows and the calves and all living in harmony. This is Vrindavan. Hmm? And then the next morning after breakfast, Prabhupada was kind enough. He asked me to sing the Guru Puja song and he was just showering me with his blessings on this particular trip for no good reason. And then uh, when he got onto the bus, I was right behind him. And he turned to me and said, did you see it? I said, see what, Prabhupada? He said, there was the mouse and there was the cat, there was the dog. <laughs> uh, and the cows and the calves and the adults all living in harmony. This is Vrindavan. And I said, <laughs> I just kind of looked. And it's interesting, but we went up onto the bus, and then as he got onto the main platform on the bus in the aisle, he turned to me again and said, Did you see it? And, uh, and, he, and he started, There was the cat, there was the mouse, there was the dog, and, and the calf, and the cow, and the adults, and the children, and all in harmony. This is Vrindavan. And I said, Prabhupada, you are Vrindavan. Hmm? To have that kind of vision, to draw that from this, wherever you are, that's Vrindavan. So in any way, land of harmony. Braj means, in the lexicon of his own, I guess, Shijiva Goswami, that place that uh, where all things are harmonized. I don't think you can find it in uh, Marnie or Williams's text, but where he got it from, from his heart. That land where all things, all things are possible, all things are harmonized, properly centered. Land of uh, of love. So, and to go there, of course, we have to understand the something about the nature of love and how it's steeped and arises out of sacrifice and so forth. Mm. So, uh, with love, he says, one day, not me, namaskar, namaste, you, not me. He says, one day, this is the spirit of that word. He's offering his respects to Gaur and He says, one day, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, I offer my pranam, I give myself. That's the spirit of it. I give myself. It's not just some pamho. <laughs> I don't like that person. Like that. Is you play it out, say it, write it out. And you have to think about it. It's not something you use a shortcut. 
get this. You're supposed to say this, so I'll just put it up here as briefly as I can and get on with the real substance. This is the substance. Please accept my humble obeisances. This is what Krishna consciousness is about. You know, it was characteristic of Gaudiya Math in the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasti Thakur that devotees would address one another as Prabhu. It means Lord, actually, God, Prabhu, Master, Teacher, that they would address one another as such. So we used to do that in the early days of Iskhan. Haribol, Prabhu. And then we would pay respects to one another in the morning, first time seeing one another. They didn't have to be a big sannyasi with a stick and who you have to pay obeisances to, but you don't even feel like you want to because maybe he's not inspirational or something. Those kind of problems happen. I understand that. But don't let those things get in the way. This is the idea of this spirit. Hmm? There are things and people that are worthy of respect, the knowledge, the, the, the doctrine of Mahaprabhu, the example of, of a great devotee. And an example exists somewhere. Hmm? He says, Krishna, I keep it alive in the world. That's called Guru Parampara. That's how I keep it alive. And in doing so, I may have to break the form to do that. Iskon was a form-breaking institution. Broke from the form of Godiamath. And many people in Godiamath thought, this isn't Bhakti Siddhanta's mission. He didn't do like this. Men and women, same temple, dancing. <gasps> hmm? Something like that. They had no idea who thought like that, what that uh, temple dancing was was like. So one day Sri Krishna Chaitanya, he says, I offer myself, I give myself with all regard, with affection, even with love, to Sri Krishna Chaitanya. It's um, Gurnishta, one of my students who's organizing things here. He uh, asked me some time back that Urmarshan Navadweep is the home of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the spiritual home. This is the Nitya Leela. There he resides. And there where we want to enter, into the Kirtan at the house of Srivastakur, with Nimai Pandit, who we see as our servant master, something like that, with affection, kind of like Arjun, kind of a mixture of Sakya and Dasya. All Vrindavan, the Dasya in Vrindavan is all tempered by some Sakya. So special kind of dasya, not like in Baikuntha. It's all tempered with some colored, with the shade of sakya. That's why it's sometimes it's praying begins with sakya. Pranay, this is love, it begins with sakya, where you can, as I said, you can touch the other person and feel comfortable about it because you don't see any difference between her body and your body. Whereas if you just bump into a person, you don't know, oh, sorry, sorry, like that. Pranay means you've extended yourself to the other person. By affection. So, uh, we have this kind of relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is our ideal. And in the context of that, we'll do Krishna Kirtan, which is what he's preoccupied with. And in the context of that, we'll find our place in Golok, naturally. Worship in Mayapur, live in Vrindavan. This is the idea. So, Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya, hmm? he asked me, if we want to live there, in Vrindavan, and there they dress him as Nimai Pandit, Vishwambar Mishra, they don't call him Sri Krishna Chaitanya. That name is painful to their ears. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, in one sense, means what? Yes. This is the end of the Adi Lila, beginning of the Madhya Lila. The Mahaprabhu has now become distanced by physical distance, from the inhabitants of Navadvip, and by his vesh, by his dress, and the conduct that it mandates. He's a sannyasi. So, you know, these sannyasis, you can't get close to them. Some of them. <laughs> yeah, they, they just go in their room and then they don't talk to anybody. And you're supposed to think they're really high and so forth. Hopefully they are. And they can spend time with themselves and uh, in a meaningful way. There's some Aishvarya to the sannyas. It's vairagya, it's detachment. So that's one of the opulences. So it creates some distance. Interesting, though, although when Mahabharata was creating distance between himself and the inhabitants of Navadvip, he's making a connection with us, the Badajiv in the world, through his sannyas. That's why his sannyas is so meaningful to us. And in his sannyas he went through the stages, apparently, of realizing his ideal, culminating in Puri. 
But it's not that he didn't realize that ideal in the house of Sri Thakur. What were those kirtans? There he's tasting all those things. He comes out to teach how to taste those things and teach us how to go there, how to enter there. So for that reason, the sannyas lila is very important to us and endearing to us. As a sannyasi, he taught Sanatana Goswami everything. As a sannyasi, he taught Rupa Goswami everything and blessed them and empowered them to represent him comprehensively. And that teaching has been represented to us by Krishna's Kaviraj and Chaitanya Charitamrita so wonderfully. So that Leela is important to us, but we should understand why it's important and how it's meant to bring us in so that we can enter that Leela. So anyway, he asked me why the, for example, Krishna Das, who understands Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on intimate terms, like a, like a Brajbasi, Navadvip Basi, he's used the name Shri, you know, Krishna Chaitanya in the book, when the goal is to talk about Nimai Panda in a sense. So I think you can understand to some extent the reason from what how I've been speaking. In the beginning of Adi Leela, in the 13th chapter, where the narrative actually begins, after he's given the basic philosophy and uh, theology and introduced the principal players and so forth, in the drama of Gaur Leela, he begins the narrative of his birth and so forth. As he does that, he says, let me just give a little synopsis of his Leela. It has three parts, Adi, Madhya, and uh, Antya, and so forth. And interesting comment there, or statement, of Krishna Dasa, he said, Madhya Lila is the Mukya Lila. Mukya means like the full phrase, the most important Lila. So it seems contradictory. The Navadvip Lila, as I've explained, is the synonymous with the Vrindavan Lila. But he says it because it's important to us. It's important to us to take us in. It's more important than the Antya Lila, which is not easy to understand and you can't jump there. And it's more important than the, than the Navadvip Lila because all that's in the Antya Lila and more is in the Namadweep Leela, but you can't trace it out. It's just friendly dealings. It's like Vrindavan. It's difficult to understand Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead when his friends are wrestling him to the ground or something like that. It doesn't reach that pitch, of course, in the Namadweep Leela. It's a very special Leela, a special kind of, uh, externally, a special kind of Vaidhi Bhakti. Mahaprabhu, Vishnu Priya, Lakshmi Priya there, and so forth. And the Dasas are offering... And when Mahaprabhu goes for bathing, offering a towel and uh, and so forth, and uh, they've called and get to make some, do some offering in the context of the Leela and, and so on. And then they enter the Kirtan, of course, and they experience the fullness of Vrindavan and whatnot. But it's externally like uh, a special kind of bhakti because the inside of it is rag bhakti. You have the Vishnu Priya and Mahaprabhu, and then you have Gaur and Garadhar. In the context of Gaur-lila, you have the Vaidhi-bhakti and the Rag-bhakti in such a way that one leads to the other. This is not Vaidhi-bhakti of Vaikuntha. It's come some kind of Ajata-ruchi-rag-bhakti. Vaidhi-bhakti uh, is a way of speaking about it also, as Bhakti-vinod-thakur has, Bhakti-sansarasri-thakur and others. So he chose the name Sri Krishna Chaitanya. In this sense, we can say, because this is important to us. He took sannyas. Whoa, it's important. He's big. He's, he's, and that's what's the reasoning behind it. People will recognize me and pay attention to me if I'm dressed as a sannyasi. Otherwise, they'll write in Navadvip. They were misunderstanding who was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, some of the Brahmin boys. And so, on the pretext of taking sannyas, he sought to, uh, to teach them, to get them to pay attention. Hmm? So, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, this is his sannyas name. But it's also the name that explains these theological and uh, philosophical significance. It's achinta veda veda tattva. It's a religio-philosophical ideology. There's the bed and abhed. The bed is difference and abhed is non-difference. Non-difference is the philosophy side in, uh, in a sense and the bed is the religious side. In other words, it's one philosophy and it's about union with Bhagawan in a dynamic way that expresses itself differently in the hearts of different devotees making for the possibility of lila making for the, an absolute that's dancing and moving and not just still, like Brahman. Which isn't bad, seeing that we're moving like, you know, in madness, without any real sense of direction. Stop that kind of movement's a good thing, but then to move in the right way, move out of love and ecstasy, that is another thing. So, this name has been chosen, and it's repeated throughout. Chaitanya Chandrodaya, Chaitanya Charit, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagwat. All these authors are using the name Chaitanya, Chaitanya, Chaitanya. 
and Krishna says, Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Chaitanya means consciousness. It means the soul in a sense. Hmm? And Mahaprabhu is what? Mahaprabhu is the very soul of Krishna, the heart of Krishna, the soul of Krishna. Krishna is one. He becomes two to taste himself. His heart is manifest as, as Radha. It's like two bodies, one soul. She is the life of Krishna, Radha. Brings him to life. Krishna is, is Brahman. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdute. As Brahman, he's there. Still, quiet. Shanti, 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 Shanti. As Paramatma, oh, he's overseeing the whole affair here. He's not moving. He's just kind of sitting there, but he's, he's not resting. He's sanctioning, witnessing. And as Krishna, then that same truth is dancing, playing the flute and dancing and the whole of Krishna Leela. And what we find here is different degrees of the manifestation of Shakti. With Krishna, the full Shakti, Param Shakti, Purna Shakti, in the form of Radha is fully manifest. So Brahman is so alive there, dancing and charming. As probably used to say, Krishna's not that beautiful alone. But when he's standing next to Radha, then he's beautiful. Of course, the fact of the matter is, Krishna, next to Radha, that is Krishna. That is Krishna in the full sense. When he's not standing next to Radha, then you don't see the whole picture. So this is a chintubeda bed. Radha, in the form of perfect love, corresponds with the perfect object of love. So Chaitanya means soul, and in a sense, as I say, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the very soul of Krishna, the heart of Krishna. What is your life and your soul? It's your love, isn't it? But really, just like they say, on the bottom line is your family. You know, and in a lot of respects, that's that's true in this world, and it's it's honorable. But then again, there's a higher idea to sacrifice the family for the country or for the world and and beyond and so forth. But anyway, my point here, without a lot we could say about all that, but my point is that love is our soul. I mean, who we love. That's what motivates us. That's what we do everything for, isn't it? We do everything for our kids or for our wife or for our husband. There's so much of it, and it's really kind of where it all stops. And if there's a problem here, then I can't, I have to pay attention here. So, so in this sense, the love of Krishna, Radha, that is his soul, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu represents that. So it's an appropriate name, Chaitanya. And Vrindavan also said, Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Sri Krishna means, Sri means Radha and Krishna. We have Srimad Bhagavatam. It means the beautiful Bhagavat. And what's making it beautiful is that it's the Bhagavat, or God, viewed from the heart, vantage point, angle of Radha, from her vantage point. So Srimad Bhagavat, the beautiful Bhagavat, as beautiful as he could be. So Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya. I offer my respect, my life, my love, my everything to Sri Krishna Chaitanya. He is Krishna Chaitanya. What does that mean? It means he is Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada coined the term Krishna consciousness. No one is more conscious of Krishna than Radha, including whom? Himself. No one knows him better, not even himself. Than her. His existential crisis is to try to understand himself better when he realizes, I'm Rasaraj, the king of love, but she has love in her that exceeds anything I've ever experienced. Am I really Rasaraj? <laughs> now the whole world, theological world is going on tilt here. God has a problem. He's having an existential crisis, which happens in youth and adolescence, of course. And uh, he's eternally in a kishore. Hmm? So he then wants to view himself from her vantage point. And that's actually the case. People know us better than we may know ourselves. They have some objectivity uh, often with which they view us that we don't afford ourselves. Sometimes you get a picture of yourself and you go, well, that's, not, that's not really what I look like, is it? Yeah, that's you. They say, hey, there you look like that. So we can get help from others for understanding ourselves. Krishna has shown the example himself. Coming as Sri Krishna Chaitanya. So he's Krishna consciousness personified. So this is a very nice name. It explains the theology, explains the philosophy, and this will help us by understanding the, a little philosophy and theology 
then we can understand, we can come to the conclusion, logically, here is where I can give my entire capacity to give. This is where I will, even if you want to calculate, this is where I will get the most. Hmm? Or if I want to be a giver and not think about getting, I still have to find a place where I can give the most. So, and this is the ideal, to give entirely of oneself. Love is about giving, as I always say. So you have to give entirely without expectation of getting in return. But in order to do that, this part of the equation has to be in place. One, you have to be willing to give. And two, you have to find a place that can take unlimitedly. That's what we mean by Krishna. That's what these two syllables mean. And so we've been depicted in so many ways. He's an enjoyer. He has so many gopis and, and so forth. And he's the center, the complete taker. And what is the nature of the center? Sounds oh, That sounds a little, uh-oh. And I find this center is a complete taker and I only give. But the nature of the center that is appropriate for taking unlimitedly is such that when that center takes unlimitedly, in a mystical way, all the givers are nourished. Just like the center in one sense of the body is the stomach, therefore all the food goes there, right? And mystically, and in a way that we couldn't do otherwise, nutrition and vitality is distributed to all the body. It takes that food and digests it and distributes it in another form. So this is the nature of the center. He, the center, or Godhead, the absolute, is a taker, the complete taker. But the complete taker is one who can take in such a way as that it's all redistributed and everyone is nourished. Vishpambar, another name for Mahaprabhu. He nourished the whole of the creation with prem. Hmm? So one day, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, he says, and then Nityananda Saha Odita. I offer myself, my all in all, to Sri Krishna Chaitanya and Nityananda Saha, along with Saha, along with Nityananda Prabhu, who is, and it's a complicated theology, of course, his other self. We talked about his soul. <laughs> now we're talking about his other self. Nitai hmm? Chand. And Nityananda Saha, so they came together, these two, he said. And Nityananda Saha Udito. Udito means like rising. And Saha Udito, it's connected to the first two lines and the third line. Saha Udito means together with Chaitanya. Nityananda has appeared. And as the third line is, Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Sahodito Godadai Pushpabanto. Gives a metaphor. Pushpabanto, sun and moon. Uditaha, Saha, Goda. <laughs> he says. He says, together they've appeared like if the sun and the moon together were to appear. Pushpabanto were to arise. Udita in Goda. They've arisen in Goda. This is the name for Bengal. And together. The two. Udita means to rise up, to draw like almost like attention to. So uh, this is what Nityananda Prabhu, of course, did. He drew attention to Mahaprabhu. He he made him high. Mahaprabhu said, Bhajo Krishna, Bolo Krishna, Koro Krishna, Shikha. Nityananda Prabhu, he reasoned, ah, Why should I do that? Bhajo Gauranga, Kaha Gauranga, Lahao Gauranga, Naomi. Chant the name, worship Gauranga, chant the name of Gauranga, follow the teaching of Gauranga. Hmm? Krishna has come as Gaur in a way that he's making himself accessible. And then he made it, made it the point to deliver the Madai and Jagai so that his name would rise high. Sri Krishna's Chaitanya on the horizon and people would know he's extraordinary. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu similarly made it sure that Nityananda's name was, and person was understood, difficult as he was to understand rather an unorthodox person to the extreme in his behavior and, and so forth. Mahaprabhu repeatedly made efforts to teach his students what is the significance of Nityananda Prabhu and how he should not be dismissed. So together, both of them caused one another's names and persona to be glorified and uh, attention to be drawn to them. Again, the metaphor, he said, They've arisen in Goda as if the sun and the moon were to rise at the same time. Sun is one kind of light, moon is another kind of light. Moon is the reflection of the sun's light. Nityananda Prabhu liked the moon, Mahaprabhu liked the sun. Sometimes also Krishna is compared to the sun, but in Chaitanya Charitamrita, or, or to the moon I should say, Chaitanya Charitamrita is compared to the sun. Krishna Surya Sama Maya Handan Surya Sama 
Prabhupada's logo for the Bhakti God. Wherever there is the son of Krishna, then there cannot be the darkness of Maya. Krishna's son. So Mahaprabhu is like, uh, sometimes Krishna too, but Mahaprabhu compared the sun. Nityananda Prabhu to the moon. Moon is the reflective light of the sun. So Nityananda Prabhu, as I said, he reflected on the significance of the effulgent appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and brought attention to him in such a way. As he's how to go. He is Krishna, but he's the way to go there. And that doesn't mean that Gaur Lila is only a footnote to Krishna Lila. No. After all, you tell me, which is more important, the giver or the gift? If you really think about it, then, you can't think about the gift without thinking about the giver. You wouldn't have the gift without the giver. The giver is more important than the gift. You could argue that the gift was more important than the giver, but you could argue equally well, if not better, that the giver is more important than the gift. So it is with Krishna Leela and Gaur Leela. But we know this. There has to be a giver in order for there to be a gift. So first the giver, then the gift. First Gaur Leela. He gives the gift of Krishna Leela. But if we go deep into Krishna Leela, what do we find? What's the heart, the apex, the zenith of Krishna Leela? Krishna Leela in Bhagavat is described up to the consummation, the external, full-fledged acknowledgement of Krishna's love for Radha. This is the climax of the Bhagavatam. And the rest of the mature Leela Dwarka is all reflecting back on that. You should study this Lalita Madhava, see the connection. All coming back. Mm-hmm all reflecting back on this and all building up before to that. The consummation of the love of Radha and Krishna and Ras Panchajai. This is the height of that. And we go deep then into Krishna Leela. What do we find there? What do we find at the very heart, the core of the whole thing in Rasa Leela? What do we find? We find Sri Krishna Chaitanya. And the Gaur Leela starts. That's where it begins in that eternal moment. That's its genesis when Krishna sees the measure of Radha's love and questions his own identity and seeks to take her position, to realize it, and Chaitanya takes birth in that eternal moment. So, no, Gaurila is not just a footnote. There will be step... Uh, sometimes, you know, you ignore the footnotes when you read. <laughs> not like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a headline. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. So, uh, he uh, pays his obeisances to the two Gaur and Nityanandan, he says, they've arisen in Goda, I like the sun and the moon, both luminaries at the same time rising. Something that wouldn't happen. Something out of the ordinary. It's not supposed to happen, he's saying, but it happened. These two have come in the Kali Yuga, which is the inauspicious time. They've come, and with all auspiciousness to bestow upon human society. He says, Nityananda Saha Udito Godadai Pushpavanto. He says, they've risen, Udita, Saha, together in Goda. Goda means Bengal, but Goda means sweet also. They've risen. They're full of sweetness, he's saying. Navadip and Brindavan are one and same. We call it Gupta Brindavana, hidden Brindavan. You should never think there's any difference between Brindavan and Navadip, substantially. The Lord conducts himself in a different way in the Madhvip. He conducts himself as the Vishaya rather than Ashraya in the highest sense to taste Radha's, Radha's love. But that's what's being tasted. That's the experience of Vrindavan and that's the experience of Navadvip. They're one. Therefore, they're both sweet. So he says, Saha Udita Goda Pushpabanto Like sun and the moon appearing in the east, Goda Eastern horizon, but also Udita means sun rising, so it rises in the east. So this is the direction of the gods. So while he's speaking of sweetness, he's also speaking about Aishvarya. To the east, this is the direction of the gods. We pay respect. The deity will be in the temple facing east as much as possible. And uh, it is east over here. And so Aishvarya and Madhurya, these two go together actually. After all, you cannot have Madhurya unless there's Aishvarya. Unless there's a person worthy of all respect, full of majesty, that acts in a way that enables us to get close to him or her in intimacy, which is sweet. So the two go together. Don't think that Vrindavan doesn't have any Aishvarya. It has more Aishvarya than Dwarka. 
in Vaikuntha. But it has more love, too. So much love that the Aishvarya looks small in comparison. But if you were to compare it where you find in the other Dhams, it greatly exceeds it. So he says, I res- offer my respect to the eastern direction. These are gods. Gaur and Nityananda. They're God. But they're sweet. They're bringing the Vrindavan Lila, this Madhuri Lila, and giving it everywhere. That means Audarya, to add magnanimity to the sweetness of Vrindavan and make it available everywhere. Bodadai Pushpabanto Chitro, he says. This is wonderful. This is super extraordinary. It's Chamatkar, the very basis of Rasananda. Astonishment. It's an astonishment. Like sun and moon rising at the same time. Chitro. And they've come to give this Rasananda. Chitro. Samdo Tamonudo. Samdo Tamonudo. They've come to Tamonudo to eradicate the darkness and samdo to give some. Some means sama. Sama is the daughter of Dharmaraj. Purity. Absence of lust. They've come to cause this to disappear and more. You have to pass through that to understand the nature of their love and to experience that. To do away with lust, this is part of samdo. And samdo, to give prem. He says, what is the darkness that they've come to dispel? He says, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, pancha. Desire for all these noble things. Hmm? Or understandable things. I mean, it's understandable to desire sense gratification for a living being in this world. We need some. Even the monks need some sense gratification. I mean, they need some clothing and to lighten up sometimes. Hmm? <laughs> so so uh, to be uh, religious you know, is just desirable and noble and uh, dharma, artha, kama, money, some livelihood everyone needs. Even the monk needs his begging bowl. Dharma, artha, kama, moksha. It's a high thing. Salvation, eradication of the darkness of material existence, birth and death, it's just noble things. And Krishna says, yeah. the desire for these things, I call it kaitava, tarnam kaitava, I call it kaitava, I call it cheating. Because it, the desire for these things, in light of the appearance of Gornatyananda, is cheating yourself out of what they came to give that so far exceeds these things. We call it prema pumarto mahana panchama purushartha. The fifth goal of life makes moksha look small. We'll speak of dharma, artha, and kama. He wants to say it is so desirable. This can fulfill the heart of every living being, this brain. And this they came to give. And he explains his own verse in a number of ways, but in one way he says, and how do they do this with regard to samdo, tamundo, removing the darkness and giving the fullness of brain? He says, they do it like this. Do we? Bhagavata diya? This is the Dwara, he says, the gate. Two Bhagavatas. In the form of two Bhagavatas, they have shown how to get this prem that they've come to give. One is the Granta, the Shastra, Srimad Bhagavatam, and the other is the person Bhagavatam. By serving these two, then, he says, one can get what they came to give, this kind of prem. So this should be our ideal. Attach ourselves to a Bhagavatam who has, like Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, who has such feeling for Gaur and Nityananda. And on the coattails or something like that, as such a person, we make our way back home. Home-going, Pujapachita Marsha to say, requires a home-knowing person. To elaborate on that, home is in the heart. When a home-knowing person speaks to us, some things just hit home, right? It just hits home. It touches our heart. Grab onto that. You make that part of your life. Listen to sadhus, and when something they say really touches your heart, and you know it, that's true, then this is submissive hearing. I add that to my life. I make that my life. I don't let it go in one ear and out the other, or go in and circle around for a little while and then leave. That was a good thought. Then rationalize about, well, but there's other things too. <laughs> when you get away from the sangha, and say, but then, and then forget about it. And then next year, again, the same point. Oh, yeah, I think... No, take that. Make that part of your heart, your life. That's how you build your real identity. Become attached to the sadhu. means to become attached to what the sadhu's about, what makes him or her tick. And it should be all these things. Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohojito Godadai Pushpabanto Chitrosando Tamonuno
So, thank you for your time. Any questions? What's the time now? It's 7.30. We've had a lot of talking and discussion all day, so it's just about time for the moon to be rising here. And so, with that, we'll conclude and have the Gaur Arctic, and then there'll be Prashad for everyone. Gaur Nitinanda Prabhu Ki Jai.